Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So ever since the post office has existed, there have been children writing letters to God. Here are a few excerpts from those letters, actual excerpts from some letters. A little girl wrote this. She said, in Sunday school, they told us what you do. My question is, who does it when you're on vacation? I think that's a fair question, right? Shout out to Jared, by the way. Thank you for a while. I was on vacation, Jared. Another girl said, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> a little kid named Nan observed, it, it's, uh, it says, I bet it was very hard for you to love everyone in the whole world. There are only four people in my family, and I have a hard time with it. <laughs> Norma said, this is a fair question. Did you mean for giraffes to look like this, or was that an accident, right? Mickey said, dear God, if you watch in church on Sunday, I will show you my new shoes. <laughs> Another kid said, uh, I read that Thomas Edison made light, but in Sunday school they said you did it. I think he stole your idea. Sincerely, Donna. Here's the last one. Larry said, dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would get along better if they had their own rooms. It works for my brother and I. <laughs> So while children write letters like that, um, they reveal what we call a childlike faith. A childlike faith. They may not understand the things about life, the things that go on around them, uh, but they never doubt that God is there and that he cares for them and that we can communicate with him. That childlike faith, that he not only hears us, but we can hear him as well. I'm confident even the casual Christian or the Christian that stands on the sidelines their whole life could answer the question about how we initiate a conversation with God, and that, of course, our communication with God begins with prayer, right? Talking to God. But just like any kind of effective communication, our communication with God has to be a two-way communication. We have to do some listening, too, right? Not, not just talking. I mean, you know those people that just, when we're having a conversation with them, they just kind of talk the whole time, and it's like, man, can I get two words in here? But you got a lot to say. But when it comes to our time with God, um, every, Christian has to, every Christian has to learn to become an effective um, listener and an active listener, or what I'm calling in our, our message title today, ear training, training our ears to, uh, to listen to the voice of God. I got that idea from the time I spent as an undergrad um, at lacrosse. Shout out to uh, lacrosse music major over there. Uh, and I got to take these music theory classes, music history classes, music appreciation classes. Some of you can relate to that. Um, and I excelled at all of those. But I think my favorite class was um, an ear training class where we had to differentiate between majors and scales and minor scales, uh, triads, diminished, augmented, things like that. Got just a quick little zip for you here, Jared, if you could give it to us real quick here about uh, what you go through with ear training in music courses. Somebody sits at the piano and plays that, and you've got to say whether it's major, minor. What is this, Kelly? What's this one? Uh, this one's minor. This next one. Oh, that's a happy chord, right? That's a happy chord. That's a, that's, a, that's a major chord, right? So that's what we do. That's good, Jared. Thank you, man. So that's what we do in ear training. Um, and so that really came easily for me, it really came easy for me. I couldn't figure out why people had such a hard time um, hearing those different chords or hearing different scales. Um, for me, it was on the level of someone just saying a word and saying, you know, say that word back to me, you know? Like, what was it, person, camera, TV, or something like that? Just say those words back to me, right? And so um, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe not on a music level, but maybe you can relate to that in something else in your life. Um, for example, maybe you're a really good reader, a really fast reader, 
and you can't understand why it would take somebody so long to read this book or why they wouldn't even pick it up at Barnes & Noble, right? Think, man, that book would take me forever, right? But if you're a good reader, think that one looks pretty good. I'm, I, think I, I think I might read that one. Or if you're like my wife, Barbara, shout out to Barbara, she's a painter. And she gave me this blank canvas and a brush. So Barbara can paint things, and you can actually recognize what it is on the canvas when she paints something. I should have brought in one of her paintings to show you that. Me, on the other hand, unless it's a stick dude, you have no idea what it is that, that I'm painting, right? So maybe you, uh, maybe you can relate to that. And there's other things, too. For example, maybe, maybe you can pick up a random instrument that nobody's ever seen in their life before, and you can bust out you can bust out a very familiar tune that everybody would know. Or for example, maybe, <laughs> maybe you're like my daughter and can bust out a sweater like this in an afternoon. Lillian actually made this for me, so I know, right? But she looks like a magician when she's doing it. Or maybe, maybe you're, uh, you can pick up you know, a random you know, golf club kind of thing or a sport thing and you wonder why can't people hit this down the middle of the fairway, right? This is so easy for me to do. Or I got one for you, Dave, too. I got one here. Maybe you're Dave, and you can just catch fish. You know, you just know where the fish are. Dave knows where the fish are because he asks me, though, right? Right, so you find things easy to do, and, and, and then we find, have a hard time understanding why people can't do what we do, right? Why, we can't, why they can't do that. So I have an example of that, of, of watching somebody do something that's totally amazing, mind-blowing, and then we maybe look at that and say, I could never do that. So for us to do that this morning, to understand that, we got to play your favorite game show and mine. There's another shout out to my daughter Lillian. Anytime I put anybody up there, it could be a marble statue of somebody with a broken nose from, from Rome, and she'll say, who's that, Bob Ross, right? So Bob Ross, I don't know if you ever watched this guy, but he's like a magician. Somehow, it's, like, it's almost like he's uncovering the painting rather than putting it on the canvas. And I watch this guy, and I'm thinking, that's amazing, but there's no way. He's making it look easy, but there's no way I could ever do anything like that. So I'm relating this back to hearing the voice of God. And I think, as Christians, we feel that, that the same way that we, when we watch Bob Ross uncover a painting, we think the same way when somebody says that they heard the voice of God or they got a message from God. I feel like we, th we feel like that's for somebody else. That's as hard as hitting a five iron onto a green 210 yards away, right? We think there's no way I can do that. But the truth to the matter is we need to be doing this. Here's your thesis statement for the day and the thing that I want you to walk out the door with and think we'll, the thing we'll be focusing on for the next several weeks. This is it. Every Christian must know how to recognize God's voice. I want you to say it with me. Every Christian must know how to recognize God's voice. Otherwise, how are we expected to obey him? How are we expected to know his name? How are we expected to discern his will? How are we supposed to know our identity? How are we supposed to know how we fit into his kingdom? How would we be any different than anybody else in the world, than the non-believers? So as we tackle yet another um, challenging theological you know, topic, um, complex, um, see also the one we just got out of, the will of God, we have to get those awkward questions out of the way. I like to throw them out there because there's questions that we have in the back of our heads that as good Christians, you know, we don't want to ask those questions because then it makes it sound like we're not really a good Christian or, you know, it doesn't sound like we have a really strong faith. But the truth of the matter is God wants those questions out in the open so that we can address them, we can talk about them, and we can deal with them. 
So some of the awkward questions that we might have when we're talking about hearing the voice of God, question number one would be this. Does God still speak to his people today? That's a, that's a question we should, that's a fair question. We should be asking that, right? Question number two, follow-up to that. If so, how does he speak to his people today? I'll tell you the truth. It's impossible to read the Bible and not see God speaking to his people. It's impossible to read the Bible and not see God speaking to his people. Listen to what Josh read this morning from, from Exodus about, about how God spoke to Moses. He said, there's no bones about this. We're straight up with this, right? There's no doubt in anybody's mind that God speaks. The problem is, then, since we feel that maybe we haven't heard from God, we conclude that he must not be speaking or communicating to people anymore. The problem is that we wrongly um, choose to view Scripture from the view of our own experience. Scripture from, the, from our, the view of our own experience. We've got to turn that on its head. We've got to turn that idea upside down. We've got to view our experience against the backdrop of the Bible. To view our experience as the, from the backdrop of the Bible. When we don't experience the truths in the Bible, it's our experience that's in question. Right? Let me say that again. When we don't experience the truths that are in the Bible, it's our experience that's in question, not the truths that are in the Bible. So let's go back to that uh, thesis statement for us for this morning as, as we go through this series. Every Christian must know how to recognize God's voice. To be able to discern God's voice from the clutter and the confusion of the world. Anybody ever feel like there's some clutter and some confusion out there in the world, right, that's getting interfering with God's voice? Jared did a great job of that last week. There's just things that are going on in our heads. There's things going around, on around us keeps us from discerning God's voice. And the truth is, unless we communicate regularly with our Lord, we'll miss out on a lot of what he's trying to communicate to us, what God desires for us, the opportunities that he gives us to do his will in his kingdom. So as we've been working through the last um, several months and through many sermon series already, we should be having a few ideas that are popping in our heads that are common denominators through those series and through the ideas of listening to God. A few prerequisites to hearing and recognizing God's voice. Here's two prerequisites I'm going to give you this morning. To hear God's voice, we must belong to God. To hear God's voice, we must belong to God. Jesus said it like this in John 10, 27. He said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. We read things like that and then we just blow right past it. But here he is. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. There's a lot going on in that verse, but understand that those who hear the voice of God are those who belong to him and follow him. And the opposite is true. When we follow him and we know him, then we start hearing his voice. We start hearing his messages. So for to hear his voice, we must first belong to him. Amen? I'm sorry? Yeah. In order to hear his voice, we must first belong to him. How do we do that? To hear God's voice, we must spend time in his word. That's number two. To hear his voice, we must, must spend time in his word. 
in not just spending time, they're spending intimate time with him. Because it's easier to recognize his voice. And I'm not talking just, you know, people tell me, oh, I, just, I read four, four chapters today or four pages today. I just read my Bible today. Cool. What were you reading? Ah, pretty sure it was Matthew. That's the New Testament, right? So are we actually reading? You know, when we see verses like, my sheep hear my voice, do we pause for a second on that and really, you know, digest some of that? But the truth is, the more time we spend intimately with God and his word, the easier it's going to be to recognize his voice and obey his leading in our lives. The more time we spend intimately in God's word, the easier it's going to be to recognize his voice and obey his leading in our lives. That might be the most important thing we hear this morning. When we spend time in God's word and reading his, his words, it's the real thing. Right? How do we know what God's words are? They're right here. Right? It's the real thing. It's not anything counterfeit. You know, when, when they're training um, the ATF agents um, to recognize counterfeit bills, counterfeit money, they don't show them counterfeit bills. They show them the real deal. Rooms full of money. Check this out. How'd you like to be in this room for five minutes, right? Surrounded by the real thing, right? Rooms full of money, stacks of cash, and they let them go through them so that they recognize the truth, recognize what's real. After they come out of those rooms, after they check your shoes, make sure nothing sticks probably, they are better prepared something that isn't quite right. Why? Because they're familiar with the truth. Right? So they might look at a counterfeit bill and they might say, mm, I'm not quite sure why it's, let me, let me take a closer look at it. Oh yeah, you see how the circle's a little bit off here? Or you know, the weight, just, it's just too heavy, it's just not, it's just not right. right. So we start to recognize the counterfeit because we are so familiar with the truth. So that's why I say this, every Christian must know how to recognize God's voice. Every Christian must know how to recognize God's voice. So we can recognize when those, counterf those counterfeit statements come along, and they will. I don't know about you, but many times in my life, and sometimes, a couple times right here in this building, people have come to me with this, they say, this revelation from God, this prophecy from God, which, by the way, conveniently fits into their wishful way of thinking, the way the country would go, the way the world would go. And a couple times it's been really difficult to, for me to not say that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard because that doesn't match up with anything we see here. Right? That's counterfeit. Why? Because we know that this is the truth and we know that that doesn't line up. We're not sure exactly why, but we can discern that. I've actually severed some relationships because I would not go along with some of this other stuff. But the bottom line is we need an obeying God. We need to listen to and obey God. Because there's people in your life, well-meaning, maybe, self-serving, definitely, they'll try to tell you that God's intentions are for you know, their situation. Start trusting these other people instead of trusting God. You know, there's a, um, there's a false prophet, or I'm sorry, not a false prophet, well, sort of. Um, in 1 Kings 13, an, an unnamed prophet is kind of what I meant to say, um, that was listening to something that he wanted to hear rather than listening to God. 
um, 1 Kings, I'm pretty sure it's chapter 13, this unnamed prophet, um, God tells him to go to Bethel and, and basically um, prophesy against the idols, the altars that uh, Jeroboam was setting up, right? And he does that. And Jeroboam is so grateful, basically because um, his hand, Jeroboam's hand got healed. It's kind of a long story. But the point of the story is this. Jeroboam was so happy that this unnamed prophet came to him to help the whole country get uh, back on the right side again, that he invited this prophet to his house. He said, come to my house, have some dinner, and I want to pay you for what you've done. I want to you know, send you out with some riches. But the prophet said this. He said, no, I can't do that because God told me as soon as I'm done here to turn around and go right back to Judah. Go right back to Judah and not even stop and eat and drink. So now he's on his way. He does that. Jeroboam says, all right, peace out. Thank you. You know, better do that. So he, this unnamed prophet starts to head back to Judah. And this other prophet comes out of nowhere and says, hey, um, I'm also a prophet. This angel told me to bring you to my house to eat and drink before you go along. This prophet is hungry and he's thirsty. He said, that sounds like a great idea. He goes over there. This other prophet was lying to him and basically it didn't turn out very well for either one of them. This is a family show, so I'll just leave it at that. My point is, though, that we need to focus on God's words, not on the words of something else that comes along the line, right? When we know it's God's truth, we have to follow that. How do we recognize God's voice? Because it sounds like something God would say. Right? We have an enemy on the other side. That's why we spend so much time on our identity, right? How do we know what our identity is? Because God tells us what it is. How do we know God's character? Because he tells us what it is. That's why we've been working to this point. We've been working through these different series. We've been, it's kind of like we're, we're climbing up a mountain. You know, have you ever driven through the mountains, driven up to Denver? And your car is doing all the work, so you don't realize how big that mountain is until you look behind you and think, wow, we've really come a long ways. So as a church and as a congregation, we've laid some strong foundations to get to where we are right now. So as I start closing out this morning, I want you to think about that journey. And I also want you to think that God uh, reveals at least three primary things. We'll start breaking these down uh, a little bit as we, as we continue through as well. God reveals at least pri three primary things to us when he speaks to us. They're probably not what you think they are. So as we work our way again through this series, through this um, Lenten series, we're going to unpack um, why God speaks to us. We're focused, I think, more as Christians, we're focused more on how God speaks to us. This is the most reliable for us right now, and I'm going I'm to keep emphasizing that. But we really need to think about why God speaks to us and what he's speaking to us. So why? Here's a couple things. God speaks to us to reveal his purpose, number one. We've talked about that already. Closely related but separate, God speaks to reveal his ways to us. So when something comes along and it doesn't sound like the way God would have us go, the way God has been talking about, the way God wants us to go, right? And that's why we break it down to its simplest terms. That's why we spend so much time talking about the will of God. And it's like I keep saying, stop shooting from the hip and start looking at what God actually says to us. That eliminates the clutter, that eliminates the counterfeit, that eliminates the confusion and gives us a straight line to follow. But I want to end this with where we started on this most recent uh, mountain trek. God speaks to reveal his character. God speaks to reveal his character. God reveals to us um, several different names. That's what, where we started. N different names to describe himself to us. 
Those names are to reveal his character and his characteristics. Who is he and what does he do? Like I said earlier, I think I said that in the prayer this morning, when God uh, provides that sacrifice with, with Abraham and Isaac on the mountain, right? he reveals himself as Jehovah Jireh, our provider, God our provider. When God sent his one and only son that we read about here in our gospel reading to save us, he revealed his name to us as Yeshua, right? Closely related to Yahweh, meaning God who saves. And I also want to get this point across this morning before we go any further. I just want you to think about this. How God speaks to us is far less important than what we do with what he says. How God speaks to us is far less important than what we do with what he says. Are we doing what he's telling us to do? And just to clear up any confusion, God speaks to us most clearly today through his word. Through his word. The more we learn it, the more time we spend in it, the more likely we're going to be able to cut through the clutter, distinguish the counterfeit, and then the more prepared we'll be to recognize his voice right, when he speaks. And then when we recognize it, we'll be all the more likely to obey what we hear. You guys picking up what I'm putting down? Want me to start again? Want me, want me to play something on the thing? Let's stand. <laughs> 